Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Trash Talk. I tell you what, the weather is increasing here. It's getting a little hotter in Melbourne. I'm sweatier than an NBL decal. Pete Hooley, how are you doing? That's good. I like it. No, I like it. That's one of the big talking points of the week and we've got one game left but another jam-packed round two. Anything that jumped out? for you the past couple of days because that's what we're working with at the moment it's a past couple of days type league it's not what happened this week it's what happened in the last 24 hours well particularly the first look we got to saw of the Wildcats and the Breakers in their first game against Adelaide as well and interesting signs for both of them but one thing that did stand out was Bryce Cotton still Bryce Cotton He's still elite. And Mooney was a nice surprise pack as well. Yeah, what's interesting, they've sort of jammed themselves into contention for what could be a pretty good uh, import duo there. But before we get started onto any of this stuff, I was listening to the game. And now I, I listen to your commentary all the time. I watch pretty much every game. And you're always out there acting holier than thou, talking about you love everyone. Oh, nice play, nice play. Sometimes we need a bit of bite out of you. But for those that watch the games, there is a bit of bite in you. And it just happens to happen off air. And Gazy was not <laughs> going to let that slip. And he rightfully so threw you under the bus. The game is on the line, but you've got to give the credit to the Kings for Moller as well. And it's extraordinary how some people, and I'm, I'm not sure about you, Hawks, would have the Sydney Kings not featuring as a championship contender. And I'm you can declare if you were one of them right now because we had a conversation before and clearly you did not rate them. Now, Pete Hooley, some of the stuff that I've heard you say about the Kings, I would never repeat on it oh, because it gracious. is disgusting and it's wrong. First off, this Rich coming from you, number one <laughs> ticket holder for the Kings. He asked me who will win. I said United and then oh, yeah, we were talking about the Kings and I'll happily stand corrected from what I've seen already that I had them on the cusp of making finals, but now you've seen a few games. I think they're going to be in there because... Yeah, you can spin it any way you want. You're, you're talking all this type of trash about players, no, fans, no, 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 no. owners, that's, well, that's, off air. Again, rich and then from, you get on there, <laughs> holier than thou. Rich from, rich from Felix Thank von Hoff, you. the King's number one ticket holder. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew, for calling that. Now, I'll tell you what, if, uh, are you a religious man? Yes. You are a religious man. Yeah. Oh, you've got a couple of tattoos, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm, I'm not hugely a religious man, but I do have a lot of respect for it. And I witnessed a nice baptism Oh, over the weekend. Unfortunately, I was the person I don't think they planned on getting baptised right. in Craig Moller, who had a fantastic career up until now. Unfortunately, he's going to have to have some time on the sidelines to reassess <laughs> what happens, maybe 14 days isolation away from social media. But, producer man, can we just run the baptism that happened <laughs> this weekend? Oh. That one, another oh, it's coming. Machado. Ah! <laughs> that is ridiculous. That is, we overhype things in the NBL sometimes. Like someone will get an, a regular alley oop dunk, and we will overhype it. But that is a ridiculous poster, and Craig Moller needs to spend 14 days away in isolation and reassess what he thought he was doing when he contested that dunk. It actually seems to get worse every time you look at it because they slow mo. There's different people reacting. Machuk Deng got right into his face when he was on the ground. But you're right. And we said last that week... That is disgusting. The clip from Connor Henry was, went well viral. We're like, oh, NBL's on the map. And then round two, something else goes viral worldwide as well. Well, it was a highlight reel last year. But that is... Uh, and now we spoke about whether that was the biggest dunk in NBL history. Now, we can't actually get footage of it because none of it's actually quality enough to get on such a beautiful platform that is KO. Mm. You need a certain bit rate. Yep. What not to get on there, but the Ira Clark dunk for yeah. Gold Coast. Now, that was the first thing. I've had that in my mind since I remember watching it. That dunk is incredible. That is a full – I think it's on Ali Kalown. I'm not exactly sure. 
because on Cairns, uh, Gold Coast Blaze, and that's like a knee to the chest. But they, yeah, that's legitimate. That's, that's my favourite dunk. Speaking of NBL. knees to the chest, no, it was a head to the chest. What did Childress do? Remember when Childress just charged Greg Hyro? I think it was Jesse Wagstaff. Oh yeah, I do. Remember what that. was that? That was it was an elbow or something. Something wild. But it was an MMA worthy UFC yeah. shout out to UFC two fifty seven, which we'll touch on later <laughs> because I don't have. But no, that a was you show. Cam Oliver can do that pretty much against anyone if he just goes up with his athleticism and strength in the air. He I can, think he's going to be hard-pressed to find anyone up in the air at this point what that hurts, are going to go up against. Because Craig, and we're going to touch on it later, Craig tried to bite off another one, and he actually credit to hey, it. That's what I mean. Had the balls Craig's, and got a bit of ball, but that is just you a need, dangerous. You need dangerous. those players, Aaron Baines type, and Craig's put his hand up to do that, obviously, more than once. <laughs> Jordan Hunter went in there as well, but just kept his feet and... People would be talking more about Jordan Hunter if he didn't go if he went down as well. But yeah, well, that's speaking of things. That'll be dunk of the year. Speaking of stuff that people are talking about, and mm. rightly so here. And Craig, maybe you can blame that dunk on the decal. I'm not sure because it did happen on the decal. But whoo, the Players Association up in arms, and rightly so. And now we're in interesting camps here. Of course, you work with the NBL, and I work with a sponsor <laughs> who players. <laughs> it's our decal. <laughs> Although that being said, I haven't seen anyone slip on the foul line sports bet decal yet. We so don't sports bet everywhere. Unlike the other yeah. brands, <laughs> Chemist Warehouse, we don't clean ours with store brand lubricant because <laughs> that appears to be the only reasoning. Now I want to throw up this tweet from Jason Kadee because people are saying this has been happening for a whole whole long time and all that sort of stuff. But it, it's interesting. Now I don't know whether a new company's doing. You see, there last year's ones were more like a sticker so your shoes didn't feel like they lost grip. These seem to be, depending how you step on them, to not have that um, similar to the older ones before last year. So obviously it's a different decal because this was happening to an extent but it happens in every league in the world. There's sort of, you know, the occasional slip on a decal but not at this rate. This rate, it doesn't need to be fixed soon. It needs to be fixed now because Thomas Abercrombie had two incidents. One of them where he grabbed his knee, the first one, and you're like, that's bad. It seems to be these same decals, these ones on the outside the three-point line that people are slipping on. Now, this isn't one where it's like, okay, I go on about the stack keepers and that sort of stuff. You can fix that later. You can take some time. This is player health and safety, and I like the fact that the Players Association has come out and said something. Now, I wish that they had the sort of the pull to be able to say, we are not stepping foot on an NBL court until this is fixed. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Kadi makes a point of like last year how they're different because when we were playing, he makes a valid point. Unlike a lot of people out there in this league that just like to complain and throw stones, yeah. he makes a valid point, and that's why I well, love Jason Kadi. I'd like to know exactly. I don't. I don't even know. As you said, I don't know exactly why they're different or what makes them different. To me, in my head, I just feel like they're all just one type of sticker. But they're clearly, they're not them with lubricant. Well, that yeah, from what you've said, is a big possibility, and we've seen it. And but you're right. In it, you're glad the Players Association have stepped in because it's, it would only take, unfortunately, one horrible thing for it all to go downhill. So let's hope that gets cleared up as soon as possible because every, you hold your breath when it happens. Yeah, and, you and, just and don't want we're to using it. the shit take segment here. To oh, we're going to use the shit take segment a little bit later to discuss some other stuff. But th- there is some shit takes that go out there of people saying, "Oh, the NBL should just pull these sponsors off the court and, yeah. and put it on the LEDs." Don't make like the NBL release the tax returns. <laughs> you can't pull on-court sponsorship, especially with limited crowds in the stands. The yeah. LEDs are valuable. They're great. I know that we at Sportsbet use the LEDs a lot. But on-court branding, when you look at some of these viral posts and dunks that go out, the on-court branding is the most important aspect on a game day broadcast, aside from obviously commercial TV. So don't think that the NBL can just say, oh, no, we're going to pull on-court branding, that sort of stuff. There's there's ways they can go about it to you know cover these over, work with a different company making deals, Kel, something like that. But to say pull sponsorship, Larry's embedding enough money in this yeah. league. We don't have other people having to lose money with that too because I'm not sure whether that comes down to the owners, the league or who because a lot of owners, some courts have individual team sponsorships. We don't want to have to foot the bill 
for the team in that regard. And it shouldn't be, but yeah, a woefully, woefully shit. And we can't even talk of experience. I'm trying to think of one, we were not athletic enough to try and turn quickly on decal. If I was, yeah, played. I wasn't worried about slipping on the decal. I was worried about <laughs> just actually turning my body in emotion quick enough <laughs> to would slip. Hurt you, but, but yeah, so I, I'm not sure. There has to be something because we've seen the success it's had around different venues and in the past few years, but it seemed to be the ones that are at the entertainment centre in consistent games that were causing yeah. issues. So glad that it's been raised and let's hope we don't see none of that issue again. Well, decals, decals, decals. Let's get back on court. Most impressed and least impressed so far from a player. Now, for to avoid looking like a hypocrite here, I did speak last week saying that I wasn't <laughs> going to come at players individually because of the situation that we're in. But my least impressed mm. has come from a player that's been on the, at home, playing yeah. at home court. So I'm allowed to do that. And I checked your rundown and I noticed we had the same player. So I'm going to go first. So you're going to have to quickly think up someone else in your head. Most impressed, Jarrell Martin. Mm. Now, we knew the guy was an NBA caliber player, but 24 minutes, what do you have, 100 points, 100 rebounds or something oh, like that? That was I, – I, he had the double and just dominated the game. And then at the end, I didn't even realize that he played only 24 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, wait, Wow. Like He's that, good. And no. I'll, like, happily, when I talk about the Kings, eat like, Oh, yeah, interesting. I wonder what because, you were saying when the mic mic's well, come off. In, in our preseason review, we were talking about that. They needed other players to step up. We, I don't even think we mentioned his name. I think we just said they've no, got No, Martin. no, no. Well, I, th- I assume when Jarrell Martin came into this league that he was a bit of an NBA, NBA journeyman, played around the world. He's one of those guys that's going to come in and he's going to get his 10 and 10, that sort of stuff. He's going to enjoy the Sydney nightlife. And, well, we've seen, like, Donald Sloan as well as another NBA caliber player coming Yeah, who we're not seeing he, the same well, sort of stuff. one good game so he played far, one good game. But you're right. Yeah, when you look at imports that maybe if it wasn't quarantine and all that sort of stuff that may be on their way out, Sloan and Crocker for the Adelaide 36ers could be on that uh, that flight. But again, uh, I think it's too difficult to get rid of he's imports. Martin, but is Jarrell Martin right he's now absolute is really playing some good basketball. Yeah. Least impressed, Keanu Pinder. Now, I said this at the start of the year where I do get worried sometimes, and Keanu Pinder's a fantastic kid, so I really hope he turns this season around. I've played with him before. Fantastic, fantastic kid on every level. But kids that come out of the college system, especially for big schools, when they're athletes, Keanu's not the craziest, most skilled player, but he's an unbelievable athlete. Mm. You put them into a professional environment and sometimes there's a bit of a, a buffer. So it may take, he may be great next year, the, the year after. But right now he's looking a little lost with the, with the pace of the game. And programs like Arizona, you get these athletes that just go in there and they, you know, they play amazing defense, smaller court, that sort of stuff. But it just, I'm not seeing that translation at the moment in the NBA. I played with him for the World Union Games for Australia, and you're right, his athleticism is second to none. But what I don't think helps him is the Adelaide roster. You've got two bigs who are really good together, Isaac Humphreys and Daniel Johnson, but they are slow, methodical bigs who work really well together. And then you've got imports, the older imports, that Adelaide aren't a team that's going to play super quick and athletic. They like to get through stuff, which we saw. They've had success when it's been Daniel Johnson and Isaac Humphreys working well together. So where does he fit with that Sixers lineup? It's only early. He can grow into it, but I think his role clarity, if they're going to start those two twin towers – what happens when he comes off the bench? Where does he go into? Because you're not going to roll the ball into him. You want him to be that solid athlete on defense, get some rebounds, and then to be lobs or just dump-offs. That's why you need him to be successful. I don't know in that Adelaide team, but that's why we're not coached. That's where the coach has got to figure out where Yeah, but that Adelaide team, so Grant Kelly, I believe, is the owner still of the Adelaide 36ers. When that roster was fairly complete when Connor Henry got the gig. Mm. So it's, it's interesting you, you speak there about his positioning and how much he fits into this roster. It, it may just be a situation where he's not a Connor Henry guy. He could go to Perth and be a defensive powerhouse role player, but he's just not a Connor Henry guy and he doesn't fit into that system. So you've got to give the benefit of the doubt there. But the reason I'm coming at him for least impressed is because they've been at home. Yeah. 
They haven't had to travel a huge amount. They're fine. So you, you should be still playing good basketball. Some of these other guys away from family, all of that rah-rah, you've got to sort of take that into account. No, yeah, it's, it's tough. And I think you'd actually be really good on the Hawks, the way Hawks play with athleticism yeah, and stuff. stuff like I think you'd be. So most impressive for me, I've got two because they're brothers. The Froling brothers. Have been, I was about to move on to the next segment, just completely forgetting that you even <laughs> <had any input. laughs> uh, The Froling brothers have been really uh, – Sam Froling is just play, a guy playing with confidence, just seems to love the system gorgeous put in. And the two matchups he's had against his brother, Fro- Harry Froling looks re-energised. He looks – He looks right now you'd probably rate him potentially above Harry. Sam, yeah. yeah. Well, the way the Hawks are playing, and but Harry's doing. Uh, we needed someone to see from. Bullets. They're both great. That's why I don't like to compare them. Yeah, I don't like to compare them too much. They're both fantastic players. Oh, they are, and you can see they have a little competition in the off season. Oh, and yeah. They're running up hills and stuff. So you like to see them go at it, and well, they, they are. running up hills. Was Harry running up hills? He was. I want to see a bit more yeah. of it then. <laughs> no, I think no, they've both been really surprising for me. So, um, happy least. Who are you giving a whack? And I'm surprised you're actually giving anyone a whack, Pete, because usually you save that uh, for off air. Are you on one today, are you? With these absolute <laughs> fallacies. Uh, no one really, When we talked about Pinder, uh, Crocker, I think Crocker needs to find his role again with the Sixers as well. I think Sloan, we saw what Sloan did. Just came off the bench in a different role and had a lot of success, helped him get over the line, albeit a bit controversy down the end with uh, oh. Valkal. Bit, bit controversial, but he was good. He was um, really good. So I just want to see where Crocker fits into that role as well. Do you bring him off the bench, but who starts? So... It's early. You're yeah, going to give them a chance to shine. I think he's shown flashes. I love when he attacks the room. He's an athlete. Um, I look forward to you having him in MVP discussions on this week's broadcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. He drops snake. 30. Anyway, shit takes. Now, we don't have any concrete evidence for this week's shit take. But Daniel Trist obviously gone into 14 days isolation. And there was a bit of talk on Twitter, and it came up in the feeds where I can't remember who said it or who was saying it. But people saying, oh, blaming the NBL. Why are they doing this? Is way over the top. If my memory serves me correct, it was Lord Emperor McGowan yeah. oh, from big WA. Dog. Big dog. The man shuts the door quicker than the pub around the corner when oh. I'm walking out. It's, it's exactly what happened because... That was what, that's what it was. It wasn't the NBL. The NBL has these biosecurity things they yeah. have to go by government well, sort of measures. The NBL's not saying, oh, you had your wife, girlfriend over, whoever it was. Well, I believe it was wife. <laughs> but that's what... <laughs> yeah, I'm not insinuating anything there. I just couldn't remember. Uh, they did recently get married. Uh, but it was more that I think... So he asked the breakers and the breakers said that should be fine, but they didn't consider that... Everywhere else in Australia, I think it's okay, but because they were about to On go their way to, Perth. to Perth and McGowan, we still have... Uh, Victoria as a low a low risk spot, but still meaning quarantine. So if they got if that was allowed or Trist was allowed to play, then the breakers can't go to Perth, and then that schedule's ruined. So it's something that again the NBL has to be quick on, which they've done. You see it, and well, we have to pull it up because otherwise the whole schedule's ruined. We don't might not see the breakers for two weeks if something happens because of where everything's going. Yeah, that's the Perth. interesting one for me, and I'm not sure whether we've discussed it enough. That there could be a point this year, and and I'd love to see what the NBL has in uh, you know the contingency plan of what happens if a United, if a Illawarra, any team for that matter, during this NBL Cup or something like that has to miss. What happens during the NBL Cup? But I know they're in a hub sort of environment. But what happens if a player has to go into 14 days quarantine? Well, well what happens yeah, then? I, I don't think it could happen. It couldn't even happen in Melbourne, could it? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, the Unless way, there was a case or something like yeah. that. Like, well, like what happens? The way things are going. You, you it's game, think, game, game, game. But it's everything changes. And I think the, the key thing to remember is when United had to go from five-day road trip in Cairns to staying there potentially till the end of Jan, they luckily got home. They tried to get their families up. But it was the same situation of if Victorian families went up there with the hot spot the way it was going, then that could have screwed everything up as well. So they just had to say no. So it's a tough spot for everyone. And as you said, the contingency plans are 
There's probably a thousand of them. Oh, there is. I, I have seen through an and anonymous source and, uh, a folder of different exactly. contingency plans. And that, are, 30, 40 of them. that would be on there as well because that's we saw it in the AFL when people snuck someone in, certain things. Like, you've just got to be prepared for everything. So let's hope it doesn't happen that players are a bit smarter than that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're not in the league, so <laughs> yeah, it's I'm a, lot league. I'm not, a lot safer. I'm not pissing off to the Gold Coast with a fake hamstring injury. <laughs> anyway, in play or out of bounds. Now, I have your little quote here for the Cairns Taipans. Now, Pete Hooley, and I quote, Taipans are finished, done, no chance, fire the lot of them. Now, I thought that was personally a bit aggressive, mm. Pete, and you said it off air, of course, as you always do, but how do you answer to that one? Uh, that's another absolute fallacy from Felix <laughs> von Hoff. He's on one today. The, they look, they don't look anything like last year, which is the big worry. I still have them making finals. Three games in, you doomsday preppers. They're four days in, and I think... Three games. Four, four games They're four in. games so, in? Yeah. Oh, so, as, as I was saying. Yeah, they, they just don't look the same. So four games tonight, you're right? Tonight. Yeah. Yeah, you're hey. right. Um, yeah, that's absolutely not true. Did not say it was. So they just don't look... <laughs> I've still got them in the finals. I think they'll have to turn around, but it's on the defensive end. It's, it looks so really... You've switched your view on air, but I'm the same thing. They've, they've played United, the Kings twice. Yeah, and the Hawks. That is, and, and the Hawks. The Kings are far better than we thought they would be. Yep. So you, you, you oh. look at those. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll admit. I'll admit that. No, you the Kings are, are far are, better. Jarrell Martin's a lot better than I thought. You've Adam said. Ford has this team moving, and I say Adam Ford about three times a podcast. But well, you love the Kings. You've never, you've never doubted the Kings. No, I'm not a fan of the Kings. I think they're petty on social media. <laughs> There's other things I have issues with, but... No. I will respect them on the basketball court. If they put out a product that's winning games, and I have to respect that. Yep. And they are at the moment. It's fun to watch. They're moving the ball. Casper finally hit some shots. Mm. And what did Adam Ford say in the um, press conference? Please hop on there, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> People will hate on him. Hop on there. I'm still not because he still hasn't proved what I've said. Right, he's still, what is he now? Six for 40? From the three-point line, he needs to have some consecutive good games before I get on to back onto that praise bandwagon. And I want to. Don't get me wrong. I want to praise Casper Ware again, but he just hasn't shown anything. I just love the way that this is the first time I've seen him let the game come to him. I spoke about how it was like quicksand for him last week when yeah. we were talking about the stats. The stats were there. He was two of 30. Yeah, the number was there. The number's in the clutch. Yeah. And that's and why I like, to, I like to see him because he performed well in the clutch. And he, good. But he didn't settle. Even though he hit a couple threes, he attacked down the room. He used his size as a little guard and strength to get some and ones and that's what really impressed me that he I was expecting a couple step back threes and he just didn't settle with that. So I think hopefully he's turned over a new leaf there and we get to see the Castleware of old. It was good. But at the end of the day, as we do digress, the Cairns Taipans, it is not panic stations no, at all for the Taipans. You would want to get some wins under the belt, especially playing at home this early. But again, they've played good teams. They've played teams that we seriously underestimated. I don't think we underestimated the Hawks, but the Kings for sure and United. But you just said it there that I didn't even think You've got to win these games at home. They had a fortress up there last year, and they've yeah. already stumbled up there. And well, they're not the, playing in the snake pit. They're playing in the snake pit. But it's, it's been like the way. Done. It's been the way. It's been the way that they've lost. The creams the big cream done. The big guy. Oh, we have renamed it that after. Yeah, but uh, there's been some good points as well with DJ Newbill. Now, how important was DJ Newbill oh. to this group? Like at, at times he was their leading scorer. He was the best for him in the finals. But who in the playoffs? My thing is they have to. Their defense and Mike Kelly said it. That's their biggest issue. Is who's they've got to get stops. Their depth is a little question as well, but who's going to be their DJ Newbill? I don't know. I think it has to be That's Machado. The he's the lead on the other end as well. And, and you never know. Mojave King, these guys, young guys, develop yeah. as the season goes on and they develop really quickly. It could be uh, one of those guys that at the halfway point of the season is playing to a sort yeah. of DJ. And he, okay, if he's playing to a DJ Newbill level, then he's probably going to the top 10 in the draft. Yeah. But, I don't, but at least someone will have to put their like, up. He yeah. will improve as the season goes on. Mirko stepped up for them. Guys are filling the gaps, but it's just going to take a consistent effort from Mirko, consistent numbers from Mojave to fill that DJ Newbill gap. And the defensive end is a whole other mm. kettle of fish. But it's time for my favourite segment, Hot or Cold. And we started off with the great man, Cam Oliver. 
Now, if he hadn't baptised poor Craig Moller once, then if you check this one out, Craig just wanted to come for another bite and bang! Now, I thought that went in in real time. I thought that he legitimately threw that down. I was like, this is the greatest dunk of all time. But the hot or cold aspect of this is do you attempt a 360 jam on another player down 10? The audacity for him. How does that even go through your mind of in traffic? This was before the other one. This was before the other. Oh, for sure. But NBL was Larry would have been sitting there drooling. But here's what: if he gets it down, it's the biggest dunk we've seen. Yeah, it swings. It even it did swing momentum either way after that because they got it back to within one or two, and then he had the big dunk after. But you're right, and that's the thing that Gazy said on on air as well. We'll check the slow motion as well Mm. while we go while we chat through this one. There's a lot of ball. There is a lot of ball. And There's a lot Craig of ball. Said it after, Craig messaged me after the game and said, first off, he's like, I just got banged on. And he's like, <laughs> the second he goes, oh, 360, I felt like I got a lot of ball. And I look like it, but when Cam Oliver's spinning that quick and that strong, it's going to be hot, a Hot or cold, was it the right thing to do? No, cold. 360. No, cold? I don't think it was the right thing to do. Hot, if you have the opportunity to 360 baptise someone, take it every single time. And this is coming from someone who barely even had the opportunity <laughs> to dunk the basketball. I was Because that goes down. Oh, the highlights, it pays for itself in highlights, views, clicks, stuff like that. It might even get the dude damn near back in the NBA if you do that in the first half and then you baptise someone like it that. It reminded me of the DeMar DeRozan when he was in the USA warm-up game. Yeah. He tried, but I think... He could do what he did a few minutes later in that exact scenario. No, I think Cam, if you get one. that opportunity again, don't get this oh, little Grinch over it. here. Still do it. This Grinch off air, you were telling me that that oh, was the best thing God. you'd ever seen and you want to see more of it. My God, snake oh, in the grass. I'm yeah. going to release all these screenshots of Felix Von Hoff that he will I would be happened. without a job. <laughs> Next up, Isaac Humphreys, post-game comments. Mm where he said, I believe it was, we don't actually have footage of it, but it was along the lines of, I'm here, effing give me credit. What do you think? Hot or cold? I like it. From, I, didn't, I didn't expect it from him. I, I just don't. He's very, a long-winded response very to reserved. hot or cold. I don't know which way the hot or cold goes yet. <laughs> I know this is the second <laughs> season of the show, but which way does it go? It's hot. We both agree. Yeah, it's there hot. you go. This is great. And I'll tell you what, I've issued a public apology twice. Oh, on this show, yeah. no, three times. Once three to times. Daniel, once to Will Weaver for not selecting Daniel Johnson, and it was cleared up as to Daniel Johnson yep. decided that he wanted to do it. Yep. Once for Dan Shamir of the New yep. Zealand Breakers for calling for his job a week into the season, yeah. I think it was. <laughs> and the next one is to Isaac Humphreys, okay. because this guy is putting up. MVP numbers, and I don't think we mentioned his name once. The only time we mentioned Isaac Humphreys at the start of the year was it's going to be tough to play two bigs. He's come into this season fit, great touch, elite on the defensive end. He is playing MVP basketball, and he's, I believe, 22 years old. 23? 23 years old. And the voice of an angel. And the voice of an angel. (laughs) Like I think we're underestimating the product that is Isaac Humphreys, who is still an NBA-capable player. So he hears us talking about Kuat Noy, so good, so good. Josh Giddy, Muave King, all this sort of stuff. Potential Ty Webster, potential NBA guys. And we're not going to put Isaac Humphreys in that discussion? That is ridiculous that I have overlooked that, that you have overlooked that. What he's done well is exactly – we talked about the big question mark of him and Daniel Johnson playing together. DJ went off in the first game. Isaac Humphries was still great. But since then, he's just found exactly where he fits in to be in that MVP caliber conversation the way he's playing right now. Elite shot block. That's seven blocks upon review. Seven blocks. And we're going to talk – I'm going to touch on that one yeah, now. Okay, we're going to go off from Isaac Humphries. Oh, the, straight the, on. The kid is legit and we deserved deserves all the respect he gets for the rest of this season. The NBL fixed the stats, yeah. which is a sign – that we are creeping in here as the NBL Trash Talk podcast, <laughs> we're the Sportsbet Trash Talk podcast, are creeping into the psyche of the top brass of the NBL. We're getting under their skin. I'll tell you why, because they fixed it. What was it here? They credited him with four blocks. Five. And the then dude sent the five into the stands. Yeah. 
and there was another legitimate. It could have been seven and a half for that one on Ty Webster at the end there. Yeah. But we're creeping in. They fixed it. I tell you what, now you've got to go back and fix McCarran stats <laughs> from game one if you really want to please us. But well, it's right because I'll tell you what turns heads. Yep. We just spoke about it. I'm taking your – That's fine. You're meant to answer the call, I'm gonna... but I'm going to take – so you walk out the door <laughs> and I'll just keep <laughs> rambling. But if we're talking NBA numbers, so the things thing with the NBA, it's such a weird league. Mm. Things turn heads and that can get you a 10-day contract and get you a full contract. Like you've seen guys in Europe that just have, you know, one big season, they get an NBA deal for three years. If an NBA scout's looking at stuff, they're just scrolling through the box scores, that sort of stuff, they're watching a game. Five blocks, oh, great job. Seven blocks? It just sounds a whole lot better, doesn't it? Well, it does. That's why it's important. When you can go back, and it might be the difference if you, you know, subtract two blocks each game. It's, mm. it's a huge difference at the end of the year when we're talking about how good he is on the defensive end. And he's starting to come into his own there. And he's another, he's a potential defensive player of the year. So I think that that's fantastic that they've done that, and I'm just glad that whoever it is at the NBL is watching. Down the barrel. Yeah, down the barrel. This is extreme because there's plenty of stats to fix, but we'll start with the blocks. That's fine. Then we'll get to the assists, then we'll get to the rebounds, then we'll get to whoever the hell is calling these fouls late game. (laughs) That's for another one. The next one, Ty Webster is legitimate. I didn't even let you. No, I was say, why am I on this podcast? <laughs> Next am... up on the Von Hoff Show, Ty Webster is MVP yeah. caliber. He put up a lot of shots, which is going to be interesting. We'll see when his brother comes back. But that's the first time I've really seen him live and take over a game the way he did. I thought he was outstanding. And they were talking earlier that they were, they were at sixes were giving him that jumper. And then he started knocking it down and, He's got speed. He, he he was talking to the crowd. Another he one. Was, he was he's got a bit it. of fu about. Yeah, him. I love it. That. So does Corey Webster. Yeah. I really can't. I can't wait to oh, they're both on the court together because they know how to play together. They've, they've done it plenty of times. But no, I think that Ty Webster is another guy who's criminally underrated, mm. and he's going to have better games. But you look at the shots he was getting; they were good shots. Well, he took so thirty-one of them, but it wasn't an overtime game, and they needed someone That's to do it. That's so right. He was no, he was outstanding, and Speaking we, we that, both said the worst call of the year on Lamar Patterson. To call a travel at the end oh, of the game. Not good. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And that needs to find a way to be reviewed. But I don't think it can. But you know what? Shit happens. Move on. New Zealand will be a good team. Final one. Do you want to intro this one, Pete? Because I'm sick of introing this. No, oh, well, this is your wheelhouse. You've gone in the last three. And no, I know we're a basketball podcast, but unfortunately yeah. here at Sportsbet, we don't have a UFC review show. Okay. We have UFC previews. We do a lot of UFC content, but we don't review. Yeah. So I'm going to make a shit takes UFC edition at Ooh. the end of this podcast. Apologies to those who don't watch the sport, but McGregor is not done. I've seen so many shit takes on Twitter this week. He just lost, having fought in three twice in three years to Dustin Poirier, one of the top fighters, the number two ranked, potentially the best fight. We haven't seen him take on Kaboob. <laughs> one of the best fights he has lost earlier, but this yeah. Dustin Poirier yeah. take on the top brass. So he is legitimately for anyone to come in here and say McGregor is done is a casual and knows nothing about UFC. He's going to fight two, three times this year, and he's going to get himself back in contention for the lightweight title. Anyone who said that on Twitter, I hate you. Yeah, you went at a lot of people, and I love. Oh, UFC. I try and I try. I try yeah. just. I didn't want to look like some McGregor stand because I'm not. I just respect him so much as a fighter, and I think the showboating we lose that sometimes. But he lost to the number two ranked. Dustin Poirier, and he got out outpointed. Like yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like he got outstruck and dominated. He won the first round. Poirier came in with a fantastic strategy, and Connor didn't adjust. I clap, clap, clap. Connor's going to be back. I thought Connor looked really good. He so looked I, good. I'm, I'm with you. Then I can't oh. wait to see him come back. Anyway, 
I just had to find somewhere to fit that in because we don't have a UFC review show. But anyway, there it is. It can stay off Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully they stop cleaning those uh, decals with whatever lubricant it is. And we're back next week, injury-free. Also, shout out to the man, Angus Glover, who we're still waiting. This obviously you've pre-recorded, waiting to hear the injury news there. Poor fella's already done three ACLs, heading into his fourth. I think everyone in the NBL is hoping if it is an ACL then he's on a three-year contract with the Kings, I believe. Yeah. And I have absolutely no issues with his heart and determination, which I think he'd be a very, very brave man to write that kid off because he was looking good this season. And I'll tell you what, watching McGregor lose broke my heart a little bit because I'm a big fan, but that hurt. Like that was everyone's stomach just dropped when we saw that for Glover. Hoping not an ACL, fingers crossed. Unreal player and another guy that deserves to be in contention with a lot of these young guys in this league. But if it is an ACL, he'll be back better than ever. Yep. Thanks for tuning in.